You're listening to Revenge of the Drive-In, the podcast where we watch, discuss, and review two movies randomly selected from a list of over 2,000. This week's movies are The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from director Toby Hooper and The Giant Gila Monster from 1959. I'm your host, Patrick, and I am joined, as usual, by... Jim, hello everybody, and hello Patrick, how are you pal? I'm good, and so I, I, have, a, I have a few things to say to our listeners, our more devoted listeners, who might be a little confused about why we've not been doing weekly releases as we had in the past. Well, it's because work got in the way, but we're obviously committed to doing this when we can. And then also, you may be confused why we never did an episode on martin and the alligator people it's in the works i have a guest for that one and we just couldn't we couldn't set that up yet so that might be the next episode it might be the one after that but it's it's coming at any rate the texas chainsaw massacre i know you've seen this one before because we did a commentary track for it yeah let's plug our our commentary tracks on our patreon Patreon. (laughs) well and, and i ought to plug the patreon anyways because in a few weeks or well, weeks might be a bit bold, but in a few episodes, we will have an episode where our patrons pick the movies that we talk about. So be sure to tune in to that so that you can participate in that voting. But yeah, we did a commentary track about a year ago. Yeah, I was trying to remember when it was. It was, about it was almost exactly a year ago because this is, we're coming up on Easter now. And I remember, I specifically remember we recorded on Good Friday because I made the comment that as a Roman Catholic, I can't eat meat on a Friday in Lent. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre really, really makes you want to eat some jerky or some sausage or something. You know, it makes you want to vomit. Well, sure. But yeah, so there's that. Anyways, a year, a year later, Jim, what do you think of this movie to begin with before we really get into it? You a fan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I still think it's a great movie. Everything in it looks disgusting. Lots of the actors look disgusting. Yes, I, I that's one of my favorite aspects to it is that no one in this movie looks like an actor. I I really appreciate that in like low budget horror movies. You know, if yeah. it's like this, or even like Martin, which is a movie, an episode that may or may not come out right after this. I don't know, but just any like movie that feels like it's got that like homemade quality. Although I will say, you say the movie looks disgusting, and it does. However, I watched the Blu-ray for this. The movie looks great and everything, but I kind of don't want this movie to look great. You I want the like, green. You want to see all that green. I wa- yeah, you know? I, I like want. I kind of, you know, not that I regret purchasing this Blu-ray or anything, but I kind of <laughs> want to watch this movie in, like, the shittiest format possible. <laughs> because that's just what it feels like it should be seen in, you know? Speaking of shittiest format, if you're Canadian, both of the movies of this episode are available on Tubi. But yeah, let's let's jump into the movie here. What happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. We open with kind of the opening crawl i really want to make a youtube version of this where it has where because it's it's narrated by john larroquette who went on to be a future star it's kind of just random that he was that he was the narrator for this but he was like the lead in night court i was gonna say that's why it sounds so familiar (laughs) 
Okay, well, I, I've never seen Night Court, but um, so, but I knew the name, the John Larroquette, you know, David Arquette, you know, this is kind of, I don't know, uh, the name was always <laughs> familiar to me, and then I didn't know what he was actually known for until recently, but I did know that he, like, went on to be famous after, but I want to make a YouTube version of this opening crawl, take out the audio, take out the John Larroquette narration, because all he's doing is saying what you can read on the screen. He's just reading verbatim and just replace everything with the star Wars theme <laughs> because this, this opening crawl gets me pumped for a movie. Like I, I just wanted this, this, you, you go, you go to a movie theater, you're watching this and then just that while the credits, while it's talking about how this, this awful, um, summer day in texas these people were horribly mutilated and <laughs> one of the most violent crimes in history i really uh. really want to do that now but anyways the crawl basically just says that sally hardesty was hanging out with her brother franklin and a bunch of people were killed in horribly disgusting and disturbing ways and then the next very next thing we see is like horribly disgusting and disturbing it's just this like rotting corpse in a cemetery like sitting upright on like an obelisk like someone had arranged it to like make some kind of weird piece of artwork yeah yeah and then and then we get the audio too from a radio that you know the guy's just saying that oh there's been a bunch of grave robberies in this place in texas in muerto county is what he said which of course well, Spanish for death. And you know, and the place in Texas that this is happening is called Newt, which may or may not tie into our next movie. <laughs> I thought it ties into aliens. <laughs> I really like how this opens. I mean, it's disgusting. It's disturbing. It's like weirdly beautiful. Like the way it's shot it just looks really neat with, with the lighting, the natural lighting of the outside, obviously. It's that orangey kind of glow that really pulls the whole scene together i guess <laughs> yeah and it, sh it shows up a few times in this movie the majority of this movie is set during the daytime the majority of it and, and that's kind of unusual for like a horror movie mm -hmm. but you have this orangey glow this twilight or dusky glow that just looks so beautiful even if it's amidst horrific things that we're seeing but <laughs> as this radio goes on he says something about, you know, all the there's been grave robberies at this one cemetery. They've probably gone on for a long time. We don't really know. The authorities don't really know. Then we get the actual credits while the radio still goes on. And I think that's really interesting because the radio continues to talk about the guy on the radio, the news guy, continues to talk about just like other completely unrelated things. But they're still like horrible, in, you know. <laughs> It feels very thematic that, A, that you can kind of just brush past it because it's it's softer in the soundtrack, so it's harder to make out. Mm -hmm. But there's also, like, a there's a mundaneness about violence here in this world, I guess, is what this is doing. Also, in the credits, what are we actually seeing? I don't think I know. No, I thought it was, like, shots of, of a body or something. I don't know, but it's all red and black and kind of... yeah. It's it's weird. It it feels like a little borderline lava lampish. Borderline. <laughs> this was this was the era of lava lamps, yes, right? Nineteen seventy four. Yeah, there's something kind of hippie looking about this. But also, I sh I should point out, even before we saw the specific body atop the obelisk, we saw a few glimpses of equally rotted corpses 
and the photos that are, like the photos that we see they're all accompanying accompanied with this weird flashbulb sound effect mm-hmm. and that is a motif not just in this movie that sound effect i mean but throughout the series and here's as good a time as any to say that this the texas chainsaw massacre might be the worst series of films ever made yeah, it's how, terrible. How many movies are there? There's too many of them. There's, the original is awesome. I don't like any of the sequels. A lot of horror fans like the second one. I respect it in certain ways. I don't really like it, though. But then the third one is just... The, well, the third one, I don't know how much is is there to blame because I think the third one was just edited to shit by the MPAA. Mm. So maybe it would have been okay before that. The fourth one, it's terrible, but it's amazing. One of those movies that was shot and it was like sitting in a dumpster for like a year and a half (laughs) until uh matthew mcconaughey got kind of famous with dazed and confused and then they're like oh we might as well release this you know matthew mcconaughey's in it and i think maybe renee zellweger who has a like the lead role in that movie might have done something significant at that point too so they just kind of released it from the dumpster and (laughs) it's one of the worst movies ever but i love it it's actually very funny and then i think all the other ones were it was like a different timeline they did like a they did it like a prequel reboot like the the remake is actually okay i think i've only ever seen the original and the remake and what i remember is that the remake lines up pretty well with the original in some ways except i like they they pick up a female hitchhiker right at the beginning of yeah well out. i was i was going i was going to get to that when we get to the hitchhiker because that's actually one change that i really like for the remake because mm-hmm. well i'll talk about that when we actually get to the hitchhiker it's one of the next things coming up so anyways we were at august i think it's august 18th 1973 right we've got a van of five people traversing the texas countryside Sally, played by Marilyn Burns, her brother Franklin, who um, the opening crawl described as invalid. He's in, he's in he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Franklin's in a wheelchair. I don't. I feel like invalid is like vegetable, isn't it? Yeah, or like invalid is like bedridden. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not invalid. <laughs> he's not an invalid. Um, and then and then who are the other ones? Who's the woman? Uh, what's the name of the woman who's obsessed with like horoscopes? Oh, I don't know. I don't know any of their names. Jerry is uh, Disco Stew. He's the one driving. He yeah. looks like Disco Stew from The Simpsons. He's wearing like a paisley like disco shirt. He looks he looks really cool. Pam, he I looks seventies cool. Is the horoscope chick. Pam is the horoscope chick, and then her boyfriend is William um, Shatner. Kirk. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> I actually really like Kirk's performance, whoever that guy is. He does a few things. Well, again, it's it's all in the hitchhiker stuff, so we'll get to it. So there, again, the, fir- the first thing we see is Franklin has to be let out of the van to take a piss. <laughs> and then a truck goes by really fast, and I guess the wind knocks him over, and it's... It's comical. <laughs> I feel bad laughing at the scene, but it is kind of funny, just like how violent him being thrown down the hill is. And there's something very funny about it. I mean, he is an invalid, so, you know. Yes, he's an invalid. So we don't really know what they're doing here in Texas or even really the relationships of, of these people. It's clear Kirk and Pam have something going on. Later on, it, it, it it's implied that Jerry and Sally may, may have something going on, too. No one likes Franklin, <laughs> kind of the thing. 
And supposedly I read I read or maybe heard somewhere that no one liked him on set either. He was just like, everyone hated him. He was like a prick. But the actor, whose name I don't have in front of me at the moment, but the actor claims that he was doing like method acting and he knew that everyone was supposed to hate him in the script. So he tried to be as annoying as possible. That sounds like a little backtracking to me, though. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that sounds he like he may something... have just genuinely been, been awful. He's like, no, 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 it was for the movie. That's what I was doing. Now, I mean, are, are we saying that he's the Jared Leto of 1974? Well, <laughs> listen, method acting has existed for a long time. You don't have to send used condoms to people to method act, okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, because Brando did method acting. Was part of his method to eat at a buffet every day? No, that's what I was, was going to say that. Like, like I, I didn't know Superman's uh, dad was a drunk, but they wrote that into the script so he could do it as in the method form. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was actually in in Apocalypse Now. They were uh, Coppola was actually super pissed at him because he he just showed up to set like seventy five pounds overweight, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" And he's just like, ah, "I'm fine." Just yeah, shoot the and, scene. And then and then he was like, "Yeah, I'm fine, but also shoot me in like." three-quarter dark lots of shadows. well i think that People i think that was i think that was coppola's idea i think that oh. was his <laughs> attempt to try and hide how fat he was i think it... <laughs> oh no oh no so they're driving by a slaughterhouse they initially notice it because there's a terrible smell and then franklin goes on this little thing about the slaughterhouse he's like oh yeah our family used to work there and then he's talking about how they've how they've changed the slaughterhouse it used to be you hit a cattle over the head with a sledgehammer. Now they have that little air gun, the uh, No Country for Old Men thing, yes, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, it works a lot better now. And then while he's talking about this, while they're talking about the slaughterhouse, there's just like a couple shots of like cows just like doing their thing. I thought this was interesting because it just feels like documentary filmmaking. And then yes, yeah. that is Toby Hooper's background uh, he, I, when he was a film student at university of texas at austin i think he worked as a cameraman on like documentaries and stuff so it's like okay he's he's doing that so after the whole slaughterhouse thing they pick up a hitchhiker and immediately everyone is turned off by him no one acknowledges the weird mark that he has on his face what's that supposed to be like a birthmark maybe yeah and i always assumed that was just something the actor had because other because otherwise like why would you put mm-hmm. makeup on to do that except i've seen pictures of the actor you know when he was an older man and he didn't have that i mean so either he got it surgically repaired or that's just him you know in in this that's just the character yeah and and of all the weird things that he is or does the, the birthmark is the least of them i mean this guy <laughs> is a crazy guy they ne- they never get his name he talks weird it's a it's an unsettling performance and he does all these things. He's talking about the slaughterhouse and his family's background with the slaughterhouse. And he laments that they now use that air gun because he said he insists things were better when they used to use the sledge. You know people are crazy when they love injuring or killing animals. Like, that's one of the tip-offs for, like, for that you're speaking to a serial killer. Is that when they're like, oh, yeah, oh, man, I miss being able to hit cows over the head with a sledgehammer and kill them. That was way better. So much more fun. There was a guy I used to work with. He was telling me a story one day that he used to run a children's camp. And one day this kid comes up to him and he goes, uh, hey, Mike, look what I have. And the guy turns around and the kid's holding a mole. He caught a mole. The kid just snaps the mole's neck and drops it on the ground and walks away. The kid used to catch snakes, tie them in a knot, 
break their back and then throw them at girls in the camp. This guy that I that I used to work with said, I would scour news agencies across North America once a month just to see if this guy showed up as a serial killer. He hasn't yet, but I'm sure he will. <laughs> okay, well, you know, sometimes you just need a good parental figure maybe to clean that up. <laughs> yeah. I actually, no, that was, that was something I was going to bring up. I knew we were going to be recording this episode. Also, last night on Turner Classic Movies happened to be Psycho, so I was watching that. And afterwards, I was reading a little bit about Ed Gein, because Ed Gein mm. is the basis, I mean, like loosely, the basis for both Psycho and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well yeah. as Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. Like, a lot of other movie characters, for one reason or another, are based on Ed Gein. And Ed Gein's thing, he was the butcher of Plainfield, Plainfield, Wisconsin. From what I was reading, he was a true combination of Norman Bates and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family, right? He was Norman Bates in the sense that he had a very, very strange relationship with his mother, which I actually would have thought was all just in Psycho. I wouldn't have thought that was... No, but apparently his thing was his mother was, like, super religious, and it was kind of like the mom and Carrie, I guess. Really, like, you know, all women are whores, except for me, of course. You know, I'm, I'm your loving mother. But when you brought up the torturing animals thing, I was reading something that... Ed Gein was hanging out with his mom and they went and visited like a friend or something and they saw the friend beating a dog and this really really bothered Ed Gein's mom except the part that didn't bother it didn't bother her that there, someone was beating a dog the part that bothered her was that the guy's girlfriend came and stopped him or something oh, and what? so it bothered her that there was a girlfriend there and it's like ooh this is not you know so I don't know but this, <laughs> that's so weird but yeah Yes, yeah, so Ed Gein had some weird Norman Bates stuff going on with his mom, but also definitely some Leatherface stuff going on with like the corpse robbery and the skinning of things. You know, there's a in the famous dinner scene, the best scene of this movie and one of the best scenes in motion picture history. There's a like a lamp with human skin over it, and that that is a specific artifact that was in Ed Gein's house. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that newspapers reported on, police reports. For some, I was looking into this. For some reason, all the photographs of like the evidence of Ed Gein's place were, were all destroyed. I think they they were Why? probably like, oh, this is you know, no human being should have to see this. So so that almost makes it like more mysterious. Like, oh, what what was in there? <laughs> like, was it was it worse than what what we've read? I don't know. Yeah, but. yeah. The, the only other thing I heard about was like he had a lampshade made of human skin with like faces yeah. on it, and he had a belt made out of people's belly buttons. So, anyways, this hitchhiker steals Franklin's knife, cuts his own hand, and then takes a photograph of everybody well actually he just takes the photograph of franklin (laughs) then he tries to sell it to him for two dollars so a couple things i want to talk about with this scene that i've kind of hinted at earlier is that one the guy who plays kirk is awesome in these scenes he he seems so natural where he's just like kind of leaning back like away from this guy whenever he does something kind of weird and i wonder how much of that is truly acting or how much of that is just like you know maybe it's the hitchhikers just is told just do whatever the hell you want yeah yeah and so he's just reacting genuinely to him but that's almost what it feels like so uh good performance if if that's not the case but it works really well if that is the case and then also the first ominous thing these main characters encounter is this hitchhiker in the in the remake the first ominous thing the main characters encounter is the hitchhiker but the hitchhiker is completely different the hitchhiker is a victim the hitchhiker is like someone who's escaped from the farm and she ends up killing herself because they're going towards 
the farm, like mm-hmm. the, the Leatherface house or whatever. I actually think that's a really interesting change to do. I think that works maybe even better than this. I, I don't know. I just think that's because I think for the most part that remake is plays it pretty similar to the original, at least from what I remember. You know, yeah. it's been a while. But that's definitely an, a notable and interesting change. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. So eventually, the hitchhiker grabs, or I think he uses his own knife, and he starts cutting Franklin's arm. And then they just kick him out of the van, which, you know, was, you know, it was bound to happen. So they then stop for gas at a gas station that doesn't have gas. The the owner's just like, oh, yeah, no, we don't, we don't have gas right now. And also the guy who's washing their windshield, that is the weirdest looking guy I've ever seen. Yeah, he, going he, back he's to, not an actor, right? Like he's got to be I don't think a so. guy they found. Well, the thing is, I mean, this guy here, the gas station owner who becomes a, a main character later on. I would have thought he wasn't an actor, too. He just has that look of local guy. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's really good in the movie, but no, he was an actor. He just didn't appear in a ton of movies. But yeah, and, th- and then here's where we find out a little bit about why they're here. Well, first of all, they are from Texas, and I think a lot of people, when they think of this movie, they might kind of mix it up with Deliverance, because Deliverance is about northern people that go down to the south and just get fucked up by it, right? <laughs> I think a lot of people would kind of think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh yeah, it's people that don't know what they're doing in Texas, and then they use it. No, these are, these are locals. I mean, local, and at least they're from the state. But they are looking for a house that their dad owned that I don't think they grew up in, but they had been to as kids. I think it was their grandparents' house. But he does say daddy. Uh, he does well, say, it was, it's oh, this is your daddy's place? Yeah, he does say that. But you're right, I, grandparents, because they, they stop at the cemetery earlier. They were looking for their grandfather's grave. But yeah, they don't have gas, and then the gas station owner tells them, like, hey, just be careful, like, you, you're wandering around houses of people that don't want you wandering around there, and they're like, no, no, it's okay, we own the property, or whatever, and he's like, oh, okay. And then Sally notices that the hitchhiker had left, a, like, a mark of blood on their van, which is, you know, when he was kicked out, he was, like, slapping and kicking the van, so he just got blood on it. But when they, when they actually get to the house, Franklin starts to be real worried that this is uh, that this is like he was trying to write something on it. And then Franklin's yeah. the only one who's like worried about this hitchhiker guy and thinks that, that he might go after them. And everyone else is like, yeah, you're crazy. And of course, at this gas station, gas station owner keeps trying to sell them th- th- his barbecue, which they eventually pur- purchase something. I don't know if it's sausage, jerky or something. They, they purchase something because there's a scene where... Franklin's got this big sausage stick sticking out of his mouth. It just looks like he has a cigar in his mouth. (laughs) Yeah, the sausage is about as greasy and oily as Franklin is. And at this house, this house is very run down. And this is where everyone starts to ignore Franklin. They, They not only ignore his worries, his concerns about the hitchhiker guy, but they just flat out ignore him entirely because he like, you know, he's in a wheelchair. He's he can't really get into the house too easily by himself. He's struggling. As much as I hate Franklin, everybody does kind of treat Franklin like shit. They're all saying, like, mean shit behind his back. Like, who was it? Was it Kirk? Who's yeah, Kirk says something hole? about, oh, he was never little, like, when they were talking about, like, he, he, implying that he was always fat. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm like, okay, like, like, you know, poor guy's been in a wheelchair his whole life, immobile. Uh, He's an invalid, some would say, you know? Yeah, John Larroquette says he's an invalid. (laughs) Yeah, they do treat Franklin like shit. This is probably the closest you get to feel for Franklin, because Franklin is annoying, Mm -hmm. but he's, you know, you kind of, he's like, okay, why is he even here? And he's even saying, like, oh, come on. He's, you know, mocking, you know, he's doing a Sally voice. He's like, oh, you come on, Franklin, this will be a great trip. You'll have a lot of fun. And then, like, obviously, they're just... (laughs) He's been attacked by a, by a, by a hitchhiker. Well, in a semi-truck, too, but... (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I've, I've, like, read some things, because some people will just, will talk about, like, oh, Franklin, he's, like, the most annoying character in horror movies, or just movies. He's the Jar Jar Binks of horror. Oh, no. And I've read en- enough things from people that, like, vehemently argue against that, and they're like, no, you don't understand, he's a disabled person in a world that's very not accessible to him. And it's like, yeah, that's all true, but this is just a... 1974 exploitation movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> like I don't feel like we need to read too much into into his character. I think he is he's he's definitely there to be the butt of the jokes and and yeah, maybe you can kind of feel bad for him, but he's still annoying. <laughs> well, you know what the, like, the weird thing about the movie is? There's no need for him to be disabled. But you're right. There is no need for it in terms of the story. It's almost like they tried to make him more interesting, but just wound up making the audience hate uh, this disabled man. <laughs> I would feel so much better about hating him if he wasn't in a wheelchair. <laughs> now that he's in a wheelchair, I like, feel bad that I hate this character. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 all over again. <laughs> or it's like uh, whatever Friday the 13th movie where the wheelchair guy gets thrown down a well, mile and yeah, a half no, long set of stairs. Yeah, that, but but you didn't hate that character. It was just amazing to see him Yeah, I mean, I might have laughed a little, a little too different. hard at his death scene is my point. <laughs> so Kirk and Pam wander off to go find the creek they're clearly gonna go to bone town but they're they're using the excuse let's go to this old watering hole that franklin used to swim at but they see that it's clearly dried up and they also hear a generator from a neighboring farm and they go over there thinking that maybe they can barter some gas because the van is not fully out of gas but it's there's not a lot there and you know because that gas station obviously couldn't help them and then when they get there, they find the generator. They also find some weird stuff. They find a bunch of cars, but they're all kind of like covered up. They have like a netting system, almost like a camouflage thing. Mm-hmm. And they eventually go up to the front door. Kirk also finds a tooth, which that that looks like a real human tooth. I I, yeah, I, I was is, about to say. Really does. Yeah. <laughs> Pam wanders off. I think she's annoyed by the, the kirk giving her the tooth or whatever she's just like ah you sicko so so kirk goes inside and he's just again doing this like hello is anyone there thing and then he hears some strange sounds that sound like pig pig sounds don't they yeah yeah he approaches this open door he trips over this little ramp which by the way this house wheelchair Franklin accessible, accessible. <laughs> yeah. or at least or at least the entrance into this i don't know if the entrance in the house is but this thing here what a pro- you know patrick whoever lives there must be really progressive <laughs> and then so a- a- right after he trips leatherface emerges smacks him over the head with the sledgehammer and he hits the ground and starts like shaking like just having these like spasms like his, yeah it's just really uncomfortable and then uh 
Leatherface pulls him inside behind the door and then just shuts the door. This is such a brutal scene to watch, not only because it's so quick, but there's just so much weight behind that hammer and that hit. You know what I mean? It's almost like he hit him with Franklin. Yeah. Yeah, because he was never little. I agree. You know, the movie's called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You you might go into this expecting, like, okay, chainsaw deaths here and there. But, like, this sledgehammer, to me, is so just violent. And, and the, it's the spasms, too, whatever that actor does. Yeah. It's and and it's it's an incredible like introduction to this. This is obviously the first time we've seen Leatherface. We have to talk about his actual appearance. He's got a big old apron on. He's he's a big guy. He's he's kind of a tall. He's a, definitely a tall guy. He's also overweight. And then he obviously has a face made of human skin, or has a mask <laughs> made of human skin. Yeah. Most people's faces are made of human skin, I suppose. <laughs> Well, and then also too, unless you're Courtney Cox and it's mostly plastic, or or Madonna. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, well, the grossest thing about his mask, other than it being human skin, is that it has eyebrows on it, and the mouth hole is like a little, I guess, too big, and you can see his mouth moving. It, well, it's it. it's off center too, or off center maybe not. It's it's wider on one side than it is on the other. It's so like the left side of Leatherface's mouth, which it, mm-hmm. when you're looking at him, it's it's the right side of the of the screen. You just see way too much mouth there, and it's really creepy. And he's always got his mouth open. He's doing something weird with his tongue. And all this <laughs> you see a lot more later. You don't really see it in this scene because this is so quick. But, yeah, awesome stuff. So then Pam gets up from her little swinging chair and approaches the house because now she wants to look for Kirk. There's a very famous shot of the camera going under the chair, under the swinging chair, just at this low angle as she approaches the house. I want to say every single movie in the series tries to imitate this shot, and they all look very bad and forced, except for the one where you see Jessica Biel's ass, because it's Jessica Biel's ass, but, <laughs> you know, it's an iconic shot. And then she walks into the house, she's looking for Kirk, she stumbles into a room that's just filled with feathers and bones and you know there's a chicken in a cage there's just weird structures weird like figures made of bones yeah and then leatherface spots her she runs for it and she just barely gets outside when leatherface grabs her and just carries her back inside and places her on a meat hook uh, yeah, it, it, the brutality that's present in this scene as well is just overwhelming. Well, the the idea of just hanging someone who's still alive, like on a meat hook, is just and, and and when you see the actress struggle when she's trying to like put her arms on the hook to see if she can lift herself, and obviously she can't, and it's just amazing. And for for this scene, you don't see any blood. There's very little blood in this movie period, but like something about the way it's shot is just like so much more violent than if it were to be gory. Mm -hmm. And this is of course the scene where we finally see a chainsaw because while she's on this hook screaming, Leatherface powers up his gas powered chainsaw and goes to town on Kirk's body. I I guess dismembering it. I always thought like, is he skinning it? But you wouldn't skin with a chainsaw. That's way too crude of a weapon for that. The next scene, it's like dusk. Jerry wants to go out looking for them. 
Sally wants to join Jerry, but Franklin insists that she not leave him, which is fair. He's just because he's useless. He can't get anywhere. So I love this scene because it also shows that Sally's kind of a shitty sister. She's like, oh, yeah, no, Franklin, I can't push you. You're too big. It's well, dark. again, she... I can't push you down a hill. <laughs> Well, well, that no, that's later on when it's dark. But, but oh. no, she, she, but she is a shitty sister. But like again, going back to, hey, Franklin, come along on this. I, I'm pretty sure she's probably just supposed to look after him, and she like wanted to have this like weekend with her friends, and was like, yeah, I guess we'll just bring Fra- Franklin along, you know? Yeah. So, 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 so we don't have to pay a babysitter. <laughs> um, I am pretty sure it's 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 a situation like that. The film never really gets into it, but that's certainly the impression I get. Yeah. So Jerry goes off. He finds the same house. So he goes in there. He's looking around. He finds an almost dead Pam in a freezer. You think she's dead, but then she just like kind of jumps out at him like a reflex thing. My favorite, my favorite thing about the scene is that you can kind of tell the the freezer. It's supposed to be like ice, but it looks like it's like lined with packing peanuts or something. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. It looks comfy. But so so he's like screaming and then Leatherface just turns the corner and comes and smacks him with the sledge. And then we get a like a minute or so of Leatherface just kind of wandering around the house, like kind of panicking. He's like having an episode of some sort, which I think is really neat. And at this point, obviously, like anyone wearing a a human skin mask, we can say is crazy. This is the scene where you, where we really see it, and it's like, oh, like this guy's just off. It's not just that he's crazy. It's like there's like something else, like mental, going on with him. And, and yeah. eventually, we get more of him. We get more of him throughout the series, obviously. But like he's basically just a child. He's, you know, he's he's a uh, he's a retard. Basically, <laughs> that's, that's the that's the term they would have used at the time. <laughs> I was waiting for um, I was going to say it. I'm glad you did. I knew you were. I was giving you as much time as I could. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> well, I didn't want to because I thought you were going to say, oh, we got to cut that. You can't say that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's his thing. He's clearly like a psychopath, but he's also just like diminished capacity. Like he's, he's not all there. Yeah, and, you know, um, but at least he's no fat invalid. So, you know. <laughs> well, he's fat. He's just not an invalid, I guess. <laughs> So now it's night. It's like pitch black outside. It's just Franklin and, and Sally. The car doesn't have keys, so they have to go looking for people. Sally has to struggle to push Franklin through all this crap. And then Leatherface shows up outside, takes the chainsaw out of Franklin's stomach. This is like the only blood we see in the movie. Well, that's not, that's not true because we see blood all over sally by the end of the movie but yeah. th- but here this is like the only blood in like a kill scene i guess now i i do really like this scene the way it's shot with leatherface facing the camera and we see franklin's back and his arms <laughs> just kind of flailing as he's digging this chainsaw into franklin there's something s- kind of silly about it but it makes for a really good shot you know what i mean oh sure it's it's great and then sally obviously lets out some incredible screams sally marilyn burns excellent screamer but yeah, so this is, she's running around, she's being chased by Leatherface. They're going through, I wouldn't call it the woods, but there's lots of like, there's brush. And then Leatherface going a little slower because he's trying to cut his way through there. She she eventually gets to the house. It is, it's that same house that Leatherface, the, the handicap accessible house. She gets in, <laughs> she goes upstairs, she stumbles upon a 400 year old man who you assume is dead when you see him. 
and then I think there actually is a skeleton there. And then Leatherface breaks into the house with the chainsaw, and then she just jumps out the window, and the chase continues. He's he's still chasing after her. She eventually gets to the gas station, and the gas station owner lets her in and insists that everything's okay. There's nobody out there, because at this point Leatherface has just disappeared. But then eventually he ties her up, and he brings her back to his house because he is in cahoots with Leatherface and with the Hitchhiker, of course, because in this scene at home, well, you see a lot of like the 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 family dynamic when when he when he brings her home. And first of all, the Jim Cito, I mentioned the actor. None of these characters have like names in this movie. They all have names eventually. Like this guy is Drayton in the second one this the cook they call him the cook in this one you'd think he's their dad but he no he's a brother oh yeah because that's what i was gonna ask is he the father yeah no you don't see any parents in this movie i think you do see the mother maybe in texas chainsaw 3 it's another thing about this uh series leatherface is obviously the the headliner but each one of the movies is like there's like three or four weirdos in the family, right? And each one features like a different three or four weirdos except for <laughs> Leatherface. It's really weird. It's really weird that the series does this, but like like how many siblings does he actually have? Because we, we only see like a couple at a time, but then those die in this movie or whatever, and then he's, he's got new siblings in the next movie. It's, it's just like weird. Yeah, yeah. But the hitchhiker is named Nubbins. <laughs> Nubbins. According to the second one, I believe Nubbins has a twin named Chop Top, which that I think I think his yeah. actual name is maybe it's Bubba or something, and he goes by Chop Top. Chop Top but sounds I, like the name of a puppet from a Puppet Master movie. Like, well, the second one's a comedy, by the way. If you didn't know that, Jim, it's a the second one is kind of a parody <laughs> of itself. It's very strange. No wait, I respect it. I don't really like it. Yeah, I mentioned it when we were talking about Death Soccer 2 because I think it's the best comparison I can have to Death Soccer 2. It's like, let's make a sequel to this movie, but let's also make fun of it. Let's make it, and it's, well, actually, though, this does bring up something interesting. So, Toby Hooper directed the first two Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, which is actually shocking if you were to watch the two back-to-back. You would be stunned that it was the same director (laughs) because they couldn't be more different in terms of their tone and everything. But supposedly, Toby Hooper said he felt there was a lot of dark humor in the original that no one picked up on because it was so violent and disturbing. And so he wanted to make the second one like a dark comedy, like an outwardly dark comedy. So people would kind of be in on the joke that I guess they weren't in on the first time. And so this brings up my question, Jim. Do you see comedy in this in this film? Not really. The only humor I see is specifically at the scene where they're trying to get Grandpa to kill yes, Sally. Yes, that's the big scene. That was what I was going to talk about. There is something hysterical about Leatherface trying so hard to get his 400-year-old grandfather <laughs> to grasp onto the sledgehammer to use it to kill someone, and he can't even like hold onto it. That is funny. But you don't have time to laugh at it because... The performance by Marilyn Burns is genuine, so yeah. it's not like you you could easily just overlook that that aspect is funny because it's just a terrifying scene too, and that's really the only kind of humor that I I really notice at least. Well, you know, and I mean the absurdity of the whole dinner scene or everything going on in the house is just so bizarre 
that I think it's hard to laugh at anything. The one oh, thing- there's there's one more bit of comedy that I noticed in this movie, and the only reason I noticed it is because it ties really well into the second movie. So the second movie, which, like I said, I don't really like, Drayton, the cook, in that movie, he's he's like a, he's wins a chili contest because he makes chili with human meat, obviously, and and nobody knows it's chili. It's it's a stupid movie. I mean, it's a silly movie, <laughs> and um, he does a lot of the, like at a certain point in the movie, like every line of dialogue he says is just complaining about how small business owners are are being taken advantage of, and <laughs> it's like it's 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 hard out there for a working man or whatever. And then there's one brief line in this movie where after he he's kidnapped sally he goes back and turns the lights off in the in the in the gas station he says something about like oh with the price of electricity nowadays you know that's <laughs> like that's like the only thing but but again that's like all of his lines in the second one so so i did take note of that but you know even like that like that comedy is hard to pick up on because of the situation right like if it was a oh yeah, absolutely yeah the same same thing with the the grandpa stuff absolutely well and also too this brings me to a question are they eating people in the dinner scene because leatherface they have to be they never properly explain it but they have to be because i want to say franklin does like doesn't he spit out the barbecue doesn't he like the jerky's not good to him or something it was after the movie that i was like well I guess those sausages are are human because Leatherface is butchering people in the basement yeah. and then presumably turning them into sausages. Yeah, I, I mean that's certainly the implication, but they never do outwardly say that these people are cannibals, do they? No. You kind of just assume when you see meat hooks human in their skin <laughs> over a lampshade and yeah. stuff like that. You kind of just yeah. assume it, but you're right. The the second one's definitely much more explicit when he's win- winning chili contests and he's saying it's because he never skimps on the meat. He always gets the best meat, you know. Ugh. He has like lines like that. Yeah, so this is this is a movie about cannibals, but not in the way that Cannibal Holocaust is or something that's obviously a lot more forward about it. Eating Raul, another one. <laughs> just as terrifying as being there the the dynamic of the family i guess going back to that the older oldest brother at least the oldest of the ones that we see the cook drayton very clearly the most with it uh, he, he's also the only one that doesn't kill people he has a line that he takes no pleasure in killing and he's just like i'll i'll cook but i won't kill yeah you know the hitchhiker is nubbins is just a crazy weirdo drayton seems like pissed off at leather like well he's pissed at leatherface because he took the chainsaw to the door and he's like what the hell like <laughs> but he's like the only one who's like i mean he's obviously crazy but he's with it enough to be like oh my god these weirdos that i live <laughs> with these guys suck yeah well and, and i kind of like that maybe there is a little bit of dark comedy in that that you could almost imagine a spin-off sitcom of these three as like a family style sitcom <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they they all have their opening intro. Be like, you know, it's Drayton, do 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 do, and Leatherface, but but and Nubbins, Nubbins, bum bum bum, you know, or whatever. But also, also starring John Larroquette. <laughs> <laughs> but also, isn't the cook angry at the hitchhiker because he got caught or he got seen near the cemetery yeah because that's right when he's taking sally to the house he stops and picks up the hitchhiker because he was hanging out by the cemetery and he's like no at this point the police know we're doing that just get back get in like if you get caught we're we're fucked yeah yeah 
But yeah, well, you can imagine, too, that seeing this house, how this household works, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Drayton's the one who hides the cars. Yeah, yeah. Because neither the other two would think to do that. And, you know, Leatherface probably doesn't even know how cars work. (laughs) And um, I'm going to say Drayton's the one who keeps the lights on in the house, too. He's the one. He's the one. He's a a respectable business owner. Yeah, he's a respectable business owner by day. These other guys are just weirdos by day and night. So (laughs) by day and night. So the dinner scene, one of the most terrifying scenes in motion picture history just disturbing as hell sally is tied to her chair her chair has like human parts all over it there's hands like underneath her hands they all sit at the dinner table leatherface clearly has makeup on his mask yeah, which is he also wearing a wig or is that his normal hair he might be wearing a wig this is something that is explored a bit in the sequels i think it's kind of just a maybe it's almost like a one-off gag in this movie but like he puts makeup on for their nice dinner like isn't that kind of funny when he's just wearing a human skin mask like it's kind of funny they're like oh i'm gonna dress up i'm gonna look my best for dinner but like yeah <laughs> but some of the sequels like go a lot further with it and like the fourth one he's like he has like a perm wig and it's like the fourth one are like are they trying to make him trans it's it's kind of strange that the again what i think is just like a one-off thing that this becomes based on who is telling the story this could become crucial to the leatherface character or maybe it's not i personally think watching this movie it's really not that important but i mean you got to point it out obviously well exactly and i have read a bit of literature on leatherface as a trans person or these, yeah they're, or, or that's these films there. you know having like a history of of making trans people evil or something but again i i think i'm with you this is just well, like d- just gag. just uh horror that's that's the thing in horror movies in general because um the other one that people will talk about is sounds of the lambs obviously with with buffalo bill mm-hmm Again, I don't know if he's literally trans in that movie, but he, when he does this old like dance thing, he like hides his penis and stuff. Like, there's this very weird stuff going on with with Buffalo Bill, of course. But yeah, this movie, nothing as intricate as that. No, and I mean, there's way more weirder things going on than Leatherface putting makeup onto his leather mask. So I'll allow it. I'm not gonna call attention to it really. Except you just have. Yeah, well, you're I guess right. I brought it up. I brought it up. It's my fault. So, so Sally is in her chair screaming, and then she's being mocked by the other three who are all screaming and like laughing at her. Also, they bring Grandpa down. <laughs> Grandpa again. Going back to you would have thought he was a corpse. One of my least favorite things about this movie is the is the look of Grandpa. Because it looks just like someone in a lot of makeup. It doesn't look like... I get... There's, like, lines about... I don't know if it's in this movie or if it's in one of the other sequels or something. But, like, I think he's supposed to be, like, 150 years old or something. So it's like, okay, obviously they're... And then then it's implied, again, I don't remember if it's in this movie or if it's in some of the sequels, that, like, drinking human blood is what keeps him alive or something. Because he does drink blood from her finger. Oh, okay, yeah. But they don't really get into it too much in this movie. But yeah, very clearly makeup. And if I'm not mistaken, the actor who plays Grandpa is the youngest person in the movie. I think he's like a teenager or something. <laughs> or maybe he's like 20, which is kind of fun. That is, yeah. 
But yeah, so they're going to figure out, okay, who's going to kill her? You know, the cook insists, okay, I'm not going to kill her. I don't, I don't kill. I just cook. And then they're like, wait, what if we have grandpa do it? (laughs) And then they all think it's a great idea. They lean her over like a bucket. They bring grandpa over on a wheelchair and they hand him the sledge, but he can't hold on to it. So Leatherface keeps picking it up and placing it in his hand. Then it falls again and he keeps Leatherface is like doing all the work, but he's really he's trying really hard to get grandpa to do it (laughs) and to kind of hit her over the head. He kind of hits her. He hits her over the head like enough to like get her to bleed, but not certainly not enough to kill her. And in this scene, again, the the, the Marilyn Burns performance, just screaming, like, it, it, this scene is kind of funny with all the grandpa stuff, but it's also hard to get wrapped up in the comedy because the performance is so genuine from Marilyn Burns that it's, it's a terrifying scene as well as being kind of a funny one. But she eventually gets free. She runs through a window and finds herself outside. It's like early morning. And she starts making a run for it, trying to get to the main road. She is chased by the hitchhiker who is toying with her. He's just kind of running around. He's got his pocket knife, which, by the way, he said it was a knife earlier. That was, Wasn't it a razor? Yeah, it's totally a straight razor. Jim, I don't know this. I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a half-decent thing to try and skin someone with, right? Well, you know what? Better I, than a chainsaw. I would bet, and I have some uh, recent experience yeah experience that's what i'm looking for no not skinning people i was uh taking a mattress down to the curb and i found an old straight razor and i cut the mattress clean in half i kid you not with this straight razor so very sharp but anyways nubbins is chasing her leatherface powers up his chainsaw he starts to chase her nubbins is like stabbing her cutting her in the back in the middle of the road and then he gets run over by a semi (laughs) in a wonderful dummy shot yeah the semi driver Semi driver stops the truck and goes like, "Oh, what the hell's going on?" And he kind of just looks to see what's happening, and he sees this poor woman covered in blood being chased by a weirdo in, with a chainsaw. And he's like, "Here, help me get in!" And he he helps her into the truck. And for some reason, he doesn't drive off in the truck. Yeah. I don't understand that. But they get out through the passenger door as Leatherface tries to cut his way into the truck. Well, and he also grabs a wrench. To throw and he at grabs a wrench, which he throws at Leatherface's face which causes him to fall down and in in a pretty neat little scene the the chainsaw actually kind of lands on his leg cutting him Leatherface eventually gets back up and is and is still chasing after Sally a pickup truck stops and she hops onto the back of it and the pickup truck drives off with Leatherface still pursuing it but obviously unable to catch up to it I don't know what happens to the semi truck driver he just kind of for all we know, he is still running to this day. <laughs> and then the as the as the semi truck is driving off, Sally in the back of the pickup truck is just laughing like a crazy person. And then of course we get the famous shots of Leatherface doing his little chainsaw dance thing, which is a beautiful shot in chainsaw uh, ballet in the, in the in the again with the kind of the sunset. I guess not really. I, I guess it is sunset. I said it was early morning, but I guess it's not. It's evening. But very famous scene. Is it a celebratory dance? Is it just a dance? Uh, is it an oh my god, my leg really hurts motion <laughs> that he's doing? I don't know. But it's his little dance, and uh, that is how the film ends. Jim, what did you think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, Patrick, it is a grotesque, disgusting, disturbing movie. But it is fantastic in every way, I think. The acting is 
you know, fine. Leatherface is a terrifying killer. Everything about the Leatherface family, or whatever they're called, is just... Yeah, they, that's right. They don't get a name, and none of them get names in this other than Leatherface. But in other films in this original series continuity, they're the Sawyers. The Sawyers. In the reboot series, in the remake continuity, for whatever reason, they changed their last name. They're the Hewitts. Okay. And then for some stupid reason in Texas Chainsaw 3D, I think they're the Slaughters. Okay. I don't know why they keep changing their name, but yes. The set design of this movie is, I don't even know how to describe it because it's fantastic, but it's also disgusting. Yeah. Like, there's yeah, I didn't, bone I didn't, couch, which is awesome. Yes. You know? Yeah, I didn't give the movie enough credit for that, especially that scene when Pam wanders into the chicken room, just how disgusting everything looks. And then Amazing. even the kitchen. And then, then obviously the dinner, the the kitchen, yeah. Well, oh yeah, well, the the dining room is terrifying and disgusting. But even the kitchen that Leatherface drags Kirk into and uh, and Pam, there's flecks of blood on the cabinet that you can see. Even before he starts cutting into Kirk and you're like, oh wow, he's been doing this for a long time. You know, everything's just gross. Grody is the word, I guess. That, I don't think that is the word. <laughs> that young people use. Yeah, yeah, it is. They use it all the time. It's hip. I'm cool. Grody? But, uh, yeah, Grody. Uh, so grody. sounds like the sheriff from Jaws. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a fantastic movie, I think. How about you, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing movie. It's one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It's one of the most frightening. The first scene we see of Leatherface, that first reveal, is that's one of the best scares in motion picture history, I think, when he kills when he kills Kirk. And then, obviously, the, the dinner scene is just terrifying. And it's like... I didn't talk about this, but the dinner scene, the editing in it is so amazing and disturbing how we get those extreme close-ups of her eyes. It's just like uncomfortable, like a camera should not be this close to a human being. The shots and the editing just enhance just how terrifying it is. So it's awesome. I that All that having been said. I don't enjoy this movie nearly as much as I should given how good it is. But I respect the hell out of it. I still do enjoy it, but it's certainly not a movie that I like want to rewatch all the time, and be- because it is genuinely disturbing and all that. But yeah, it's definitely not my favorite movie, but it's one of the greatest horror movies ever made. One thing that I think is interesting about this is that it is a horror movie that has something to say, mm-hmm. and you have to do a lot of this for yourself because the film doesn't spell it out. But this is a movie about a family that has been left behind by industrialization. Yeah. And how do they fend for themselves? Well, I guess we'll just eat people, right? (laughs) These are people that lost their jobs because the gun is better than the sledge. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they were crazy to begin with, but that this is is like a, it's like a weird kind of, it's like some of the socialist message to it. And I think that's really interesting. And that's actually one of the better aspects about the movie. Going back to that scene when, when he's, when Franklin's talking about the slaughterhouse and you just have those shots of cows, like the movie's very clearly trying to say something. And I think it pulls it off pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that might be one of the only things the movie's actually trying to say or something interesting that we can glean from this movie well a movie only has to say one thing i mean you only have no, to no, have one I'm, theme I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining about it i was just gonna say everybody else who's pulling all these other kinds of things out of this the movie, leather face know. trans stuff which uh, the leather face trans stuff i don't think there's a lot here in this movie there's definitely more 
to say about it in the fourth one, but I also don't think the fourth one is a movie that deserves any kind of scholarly recognition of any of any kind because it's terrible but unless you want to talk about matthew mcconaughey's performance maybe (laughs) because that's amazing but yeah so i mean this movie is like genuinely worthy of study now what's your opinion on people talking about the brutality displayed towards women in this movie or the fact that i think there was a study conducted and they showed a bunch of men this movie and the first time they watched it they found it disturbing yet the second time they watched it they found it severely less disturbed and they're chalking that up to men being okay with severe violence towards women but i don't know if i necessarily agree with that i mean the first time i watched I mean, this movie i was 10 and i was disturbed but now i'm like well it's a movie you know <laughs> okay well a, a few things to say one if that is something psychologically about men, maybe we can't judge them for it, okay? Maybe it's not their fault. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just, maybe we're all wired that way. And maybe we should just shut up about it because nobody's going to, you know, we can't help it. But no, I don't know about that. I mean, this is a this is an age-old debate in horror movies, slasher movies, whatever, with the, the women. We, we've, we've talked about this, obviously, but women tend to go through hell in these movies and yes men die too for the most part men's deaths tend to be quicker and the women tend to suffer longer and or be nude there's no nudity in this movie so there's you know hats off to you toby hooper but okay the woman gets put on a meat hook and has to watch her boyfriend get dismembered by a a chainsaw and then later on we see that she's kind of alive in a freezer full of packing peanuts or Obviously, what Sally goes through is almost worse than death in a lot of ways, just what she has to endure. But I don't know. I mean, this that's what the movie is. I don't think you can say too much about like, oh, this movie is trying to do anything specifically with violence towards women that it's not doing also about violence towards men. I don't know. I, I guess I'm maybe I would have to read whatever it was that you were talking about, but I, I don't have too much of a response to it right now. Okay. Well, do you want to move on, pal? Sure. Let's talk Gila Monsters uh, or Gila. Yeah, my friend is pronounced Gila. Gila Monster. It just sounds pretentious. I'll, I'll continue to say Gila. It just funny enough. I didn't actually know Gila Monsters are real lizards. They're you mainly didn't found know in that? Mexico, I think. How do you not know that? It's, it's like if you're to name five lizards, <laughs> Gila Monster is going to be one of them. It's like iguana, gecko, chameleon. Gila monster. And I've never even heard of a Gila monster. Beat a dragon. A I don't know. I mean, who's who hasn't heard of a Gila monster? Well, well. First of all, to be fair, <laughs> there is no Gila monster in this movie. Technically, yeah. It's a what? What is it? It's a. Give me a second. I wrote it down. It's a close relative. It's a beaded something. Not that I would have known that. Yeah, that was a I, prime yeah, trivia thing. Is it a Mexican beaded lizard or something? <laughs> yeah, and and they're and they're very closely related. They look almost the same. Yeah, I love the lizard in this movie. He's adorable. Yeah, this is one of those movies that tries to make small look big, and it, it kind of pulls it off. They do an okay job of it at times. They do, but it's not scary, and that's the problem. No. That's like no. that, that infamous <laughs> no. movie starring DeForest <laughs> Kelly, not. Night of the Lepus, right? Where they try okay. to make cute bunnies look big and scary, but it doesn't work because they're rabbits, right? <laughs> 
that's like this. They try to make. It's funny a, you say you say DeForest Kelly. The far more embarrassing connection is Janet Lee is in that. Movie. <laughs> DeForest Kelly. It's like sure. What the hell he's? What the hell is he doing? I mean, of course he's going to be in a bunny movie. <laughs> Janet Lee in the greatest horror movie ever made is in Night of the Lepus as well. I like the idea that this somebody comes up to DeForest Kelly and they're like, "Hey, do you want to be in a movie with a bunch of bunnies?" He's like, "Oh yeah, Playboy bunnies. That sounds great." And he shows up and it's his fucking Night of the Lepus. <laughs> The giant Gila monster from 1959. The movie stars a bunch of nobodies. Literally a bunch of nobodies. Now, you coined a term. I forget what you call it, but it's like when you're so not famous that you don't even have a Wikipedia page, but you've starred in like a movie or something. Oh, yeah. We have we have the three tiers of fame. Yeah. <laughs> Tier one is Wikipedia page w- with a picture. Tier two, Wikipedia page, no picture. Tier three, no Wikipedia page. So yeah. is, is everyone in this movie tier three or are there a Every few single twos? person except for two actors. So one is Fred Graham, who played the sheriff. He was, interestingly enough, he was an actor and a stuntman. He worked from like the 30s to the 70s, and I think he died in 79. He made 26 movies with John Wayne as his stunt double, I think. And he was okay. also in Vertigo as the sheriff that falls to his death. Oh, in like the opening scene. Yes, in the very he, opening scene. That must scene. be, because that's, yeah, okay. The other guy is, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm going to call him Shug. Shug Fisher. It's S-H-U-G. And he plays Harris, the old drunk guy. He was uh, some kind of a character actor, singer, songwriter, comedian. And he was on Gunsmoke and Beverly Hillbillies a lot. So those are the only two like semi-famous people. The interesting thing about this movie, our last movie took place in Texas and was filmed in Texas. This movie was filmed near Dallas, Texas. The budget was $175,000 and was produced by a fellow named Gordon uh, McLendon, who I guess owned some drive-in theaters. Uh, he wanted to make a double feature. So I think he they filmed this and another movie back-to-back. Uh, and the other movie's called The Killer Shrews. <laughs> oh, I've seen that one, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Is it good? Uh, I don't remember anything about it. I, I want to say, I know this one was. I think the Killer Shrews was also both Mystery Science Theater episodes. Okay, yeah. So they were like, as far as like 50s B-movies go, they're relatively well-known, you know? Okay, in, okay. In, in, yeah, but this one, can I tell you a little bit about my introduction to the giant Gila monster? Okay, well, hold on a second, because I've got some interesting factoids, and then you can tell me Okay, keep it. keep talking, because I'm going to go look for something really quick. Another interesting thing about these movies is that both of these movies, uh, The Killer Shrews and The Giant Gila Monster, were the first feature films shot and produced in Dallas, which is pretty cool. And considering, I guess, it's like 1959, Dallas was mostly a parking lot. (laughs) Uh, But of course, the most famous film produced in Dallas was the Zapruder film. (laughs) You're such a... (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You are You are certainly right. These films were also the first double features, I guess, to receive national and foreign distributions. And I don't know if they were distributed together or separately. Also, Kellogg, the guy who directed the movie, he was allowed to direct only... When on to make cereal. Yeah, I know. I did, unfortunately, not related to those Kelloggs. But he was allowed to direct the movie as long as he provided his uh, special effects for free. So I guess all the quote-unquote special effects. Hey, they're uh, pretty special. They, <laughs> they are actually. Um, and then all right, also, can I? Can I? All right. Oh yeah, go on. Well, sorry, no, go on. You had like one last thing. 
yes, I have one last thing. Actually, no, two last things. I'll make them quick, though. The guy who played the disc jockey in the movie was a real disc jockey that worked at a station owned sure. by McClendon. D- I mean, disc jockeys back then were like local, sometimes regional celebrities. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like a Wolfman Jack, I mean, who's featured in American Graffiti and stuff like that. So, yeah. Last thing I'm going to say, Patrick, can you give me a guess on how you think Philip Seymour Hoffman and and McLendon here are related in the industry? Did McLendon have a heroin overdose? (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Go on. I don't know this one. Back in the day, McLendon ran a pirate radio station in the North Sea off the coast of Sweden, and he broadcast to Sweden and other parts of Europe, including the UK. And Philip Why'd you Seymour go to Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman and not Kenneth Branagh? Oh yeah, you're right. I could have picked both of those, but you yeah, know, Kenneth, Philip... Kenneth Branagh. I'm the biggest Kenneth Branagh fan on earth, and you go Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I like the movie, and I like Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. <laughs> I could have also chosen Bill Nye, you know. Yeah, that's true. And uh, what's his name from Hot Fuzz? Uh... Timothy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now tell me your introduction to the giant Gila monster. Thankfully, I found this VHS tape. So as a kid, I think this movie, this movie, whatever, was very influential in terms of me being involved or me being interested in some of the things that I was interested in. I grew up, obviously, a Godzilla fan, King Kong fan, you know, movies like that. It was one time, I think we were just at my local grocery store. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mixing this up, but I think we bought this VHS tape the same time we also bought the VHS tape to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> okay. And I want to say it was from a grocery store, which, uh, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 is terrible. It's one of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen, I think. This one, my brother and I watched all the time. It is called Fantastic Dinosaurs of the Movies. It is a compilation of various trailers for monster movies and there, it says dinosaurs they weren't all dinosaurs because it was a lot of the harry house and stuff you know fighting skeletons and stuff like that but all these like trailers you know they had king kong they had godzilla they had like some mothra rodan some of the stuff that i actually knew of and then a lot of stuff i had never heard of and then some of the, them eventually i watched later on i think cue the winged serpent is in there what, what, what does um, it cue the the winged, cue serpent? the winged serpent it's a great movie Gorgo, which is the British Godzilla ripoff. I remember as a kid really, really wanting to see Gorgo, like, so bad, and then eventually saw the movie as an adult, and like, oh, that was kind of, kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms or whatever, Journey to the Sun of the Earth, all those, like, classics, a lot of 50s, a lot of 60s stuff. One of the trailers featured was the giant Gila monster trailer, which I look looked it up (laughs) you know after watching the movie most recently and i remember the trailer so well it starts out there's like happy-go-lucky music playing as these teens are at this like dancing and it's like and the text just says it started as a normal sock hop or something then it cuts to like cars crashing and this giant lizard slowly walking around and then and it's like oh my god i remember all of this so well and then of course it culminates in the famous scene of the lizard breaking through the wood um but yeah it's just uh, i remember that trailer so well so yes i i had seen this trailer literally dozens of times before i had ever seen the movie that's amazing i <laughs> that's an amazing introduction <laughs> what is this black menace that kills everything it sees and hears 
No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. At the beginning, we get a narrator who says, oh, there's vast unexplored parts of the West. And by that, I guess he means the Western world or Western United States, maybe? I I think just like the desert area specifically probably is what he means. Yeah. He says that there's a giant Gila monster roaming around. And after we get through that narration, we see these these two teens hanging out in a car in like a 40s coupe or something. And then (laughs) a blur moves in front of the camera and the car gets rolled into a ditch. Then we get a nice credits roll. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... Oh, the credits, the font that they used for the title is awesome. It's <laughs> oh, like it's all great. scaly and lizardy. And there's like claws on a bunch of different letters. It's so classic, like 50s drive-in stuff. It's Even wonderful. the poster for this movie looks great, if I'm honest. I agree. It's just a very cartoonish looking like lizard arm coming down. Yeah, and with big claws, <laughs> which Gila monsters do not have, but I guess. They don't have claws? I have no clue, but this one didn't I look like they have any. claws. They're just they're just not like comically. They're not like bugles. <laughs> but I think they have claws. Gila monsters are venomous as well, which we never really get into that with this movie. Well, and I assume that's why they used like a Mexican beaded lizard or whatever so people weren't dying on set. I think I want to say those are also venomous, but I could be <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I'm going to look that up quick. Yeah, please do. We're introduced to like a bunch of teens, and the only important one is a guy named Chase. And they're all hanging out at like a soda hop, and they're dancing and grooving. And there's so much 50s slang in this opening scene that it's almost hard to understand what they're talking about. You know what I mean? (laughs) So the Mexican beaded lizard, reading from Wikipedia here, it and the other members of the same genus, including the Gila monster, are the only lizards known to have evolved an overt venom delivery system so yeah the mexican beaded lizard is also venomous. oh so then why did they so then why didn't they use a gila monster maybe maybe they're lazier uh i mean <laughs> lizards in general are lazy but listen there's no i'm just Franklin thinking like movie okay um gila monsters are they're kind of standoffish and they hide from people a lot that's why people i mean they are venomous and they're potentially dangerous i don't think they could kill a person but they could you know mess them up a bit and they it's they probably just i don't know it's just easier to find these things and easier to throw them in a movie maybe i don't know yeah maybe all they did was like lift up a rock right grab this lizard then put him in this movie very likely and this guy definitely has claws i'm just looking at okay good good so i i take it back he has claws but not bugle claws not bugle claws well, all these teens, we're introduced to all of them, and we all, we get all their names, but none of them matter, like I said, except for this Chase guy and his girlfriend, who's named, like, Lisa or something, and she's clearly foreign, she's French, and she was actually France's Miss Universe? Yeah, well, a contestant, yes, yeah, so she was Miss France, I guess. Oh, that was, but... okay, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they got her for this, for this movie, but uh, good on them. Well, no, don't, listen... Well, I mean, it's all right. Come on. I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but did they fly not, her from France? Not, you know what I mean? Or was she in America? Difficult. You know? It, it, she was probably in town for the Miss Universe pageant. They're like, here, just was it in Was it in Dallas in 1959? <laughs> it, it was 1957 is her year, but maybe she just stuck around. I don't know. <laughs> Outstate her visa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, we won't we won't report you to the feds unless you star in this movie. But uh, you know who was trying to report her to the feds? Pat's dad. So Pat and Liz are the two teens that were killed at the beginning of the movie, presumably killed. And 
all these teens are hanging out at this soda hop, and they're like, oh, where's Pat and Liz? They're going to come to the drive-in, right? Well, nobody's seen Pat and Liz, and they don't know where they are. And that's kind of that. We're introduced to the sheriff and Pat's father, who's like an oil tycoon. So Pat's dad is an asshole. He's kind of ordering the sheriff around. He's like, my son didn't come home last night. I know he's out with this chick, Liz. You got to go find him, Mr. Sheriff. And the sheriff is like, well, are you sure they didn't elope? That's a possibility. You know, Pat's a year older than I was when I got married to my wife. This is brought up roughly 4,000 times, the possibility that they were eloped. It's oh, the, the word elope is etched so into times. my memory because of this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because of this movie. Also, you know what else is etched into my memory? So you might not have noticed this. I know if you've seen the Mystery Science Theater episode, you will definitely take note of this. And I haven't seen that episode in who knows how long. But I remember I remembered something about that is that they point out that in every scene of dialogue, for whatever reason, someone puts their leg up on something to talk. They, they oh, Everyone's doing like the notice. Captain Morgan pose. And if you wa- if you look for it, you will see it in like every scene, every dialogue scene. At least one person just just ends up doing a Captain Morgan pose <laughs> for no reason. And I I, I the only thing is I I would imagine because it comes up so frequently, it's got to be the director telling them to do that, right? And I don't know, the director just didn't know what he was doing or something. Like here, this will make the scene interesting. <laughs> That's so weird. I didn't notice. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to skim through it and rewatch these these scenes. Keep my open. Well. Pat and the sheriff, or Pat's dad and the sheriff, kind of start arguing with each other. The sheriff's kind of being accused by Pat's dad that he isn't doing his job or that he's not a good sheriff, which is a theme that kind of runs throughout this movie. The sheriff says, look, I'll keep my eyes open for Pat and Liz, but I'm sure they'll turn up eventually. So the sheriff goes to one of, like, the four teens that has any screen time in this movie, and it's Chase. And Chase, we see he's like a mechanic and his dad died in like an oil rig accident and Pat's dad is the guy who runs the oil company and he's supporting his mom and disabled sister. She's not an invalid, but she is disabled. No, yeah. She needs yeah, like braces for her legs. She can't that's, walk. That's such a, that's my favorite scene in the movie when he goes and he performs a song in oh, its entirety fuck. to her because that's it's not... so it's so cute, but it's also like, why what, uh, why yeah, are we why? wasting five minutes on this? <laughs> this is we supposed to be about a Gila monster. And is but it's cute, it's charming. It is. Well yeah, and that and that brings me to my next point about this guy Chase. He's a charming, cute man. He's kind of I, I want to call him like the all American guy. But the only thing that's missing is apple well, pie. Well, compared to the French woman, life. sure. Well, exactly, yeah. But, you know, he's good with his hands. He's a mechanic. He's covered in grease. He's a real stand-up guy. He's got lots of friends. He's super nice. He's he's very fifties. He's very 50s. Very 50s. Because, and this movie in general is very 50s. There's there's talk of drive-in theaters. There's Someone says, oh, it's my first time at a drive-in or whatever. Yeah. There's also these teens are obsessed with cars and they're like oh can we buy that car from you sir and he's like i bought it for seven hundred dollars and i'm not selling it until it's worth that much again and they're like ah. <laughs> they're all like laughing unison it's very 50s and this is i love this about like the uh doesn't it i mean i know this is movie this is 50s movie teens but doesn't it seem kind of fun to be a teen in the 50s oh yeah yeah because you were just I mean, as long out. as you're white i guess yeah. and um <laughs> But, yeah, like, it's just, there's something just fun about, like, it's just such a different time than than the youths of today, or even 
in the 80s or even in the, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 70s youths and their disco stew look and everything. And it's just different. But at the 50s, there's something charming about it. Yeah, yeah. They're all just kind of... They just want to listen to rock and roll, go to a sock hop or a drive-in. And yeah, then, race their cars. And, and fix up their car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, what's the word I'm looking for, Patrick? It's, um, wholesome. Well, Chase is being questioned by the sheriff and the, sh- and the sheriff is like, look, do you think they ran off and eloped? And Chase is like, oh, good golly. I, you know, I don't think so. I, if they did, uh, Pat's dad would have oh, killed him. Oh, goodness them. gracious. Great balls of fire. No. <laughs> Okay, Jerry Lee. But uh, so the sheriff's like, okay, fine. But if you hear anything from him, let me know. Then I think I think this is the same scene. Maybe it's a little bit later. But Chase's buddy, like this mechanic that he's working for named Connolly or Compton or something like that. Yeah, that's right. It was Compton. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is Dr. Dre. Yeah. <laughs> well, this guy's an idiot. And he, he also like works for... Pat's dad in in some way and he came home from like the oil rigs with a, a bunch of nitroglycerin four quarts to be exact and Chase is like oh that's fine he came home with it that's fine well, I'll put it in the shed. It's conveniently just the right amount to blow up a miniature car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah chase takes out these 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 nitroglycerins and puts them in the shed and (laughs) those won't come back later another cool thing about this movie about it being in the 50s is that the phone rings and uh it's a party line and for people who don't know what a party line is (laughs) you used to have to be on like the same telephone line as other people and each house had a separate distinct ring so you'd know if the phone call was for you or for your neighbor or somebody else I actually didn't know that's how they worked. I didn't know the rings were all different. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize that. But the, the downside of this is that people could sit and listen to your conversations. Or, like, you couldn't pick up the phone and call when somebody else was on the phone. It's, it's the same thing now. We just call it the Patriot Act. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is true, yeah. But the phone rings, and it's for the sheriff, and Chase picks it up, and he's like, oh, I hear there's uh, there's been a crash, like 12 miles outside of town. I'm going to go and beat all the other tr- tow trucks there and tow it back. And his buddy goes off, gets his tow truck, and he races out to the scene of the crash to uh, meet the sheriff and scare away other tow truck drivers. He, <laughs> when he gets out there, the sheriff, which by the way, the sheriff almost drives right into the ditch when he gets out there in, in the movie. Like, I thought that car was going into the ditch. <laughs> I was like, there's two car crashes in this scene where the sheriff's drunk or something. I don't know. But they get out there and this car is just like totaled. It's like an old Pontiac. The sheriff's like, well, there's no driver. We can't find anybody. And uh, what's weird about it is that these tire treads, these these marks, these skid marks go off the road at a 90 degree angle <laughs> from, yeah. from where it was traveling. That's odd. Which, what does that mean, though, in the context of the movie? Does that mean the car was parked and it was just moved by I, the no I, I think I, I it don't... was I think they I think they hit the brakes and then the lizard knocked it off the road sure so while they're dealing with that the mechanic guy is got his tow truck he's driving to the scene of the crash and he drives past like this hitchhiker who's like in a suit <laughs> with, like, oh a the fantastic dinosaurs of the movies VHS I'm just looking at the back of it I just set it down and it does mention the giant gill monster by name the all the all the tight here's a preview of all the titles. If you can find this on VHS from Good Times Video, it is worth it. Copyright 1992. Yeah, good luck with that. But Godzilla, Gorgo, Rodan, <laughs> Mysterious Island, Journey to the Center of the... Journey, oh, no. Journey to the Beginning of Time. Uh-oh. King Kong, 
the giant behemoth King Dinosaur Lost World, which is the one from the 20s, not the Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, is that Jurassic Park? <laughs> the Loch Ness Horror, which I think I've seen under a different title. I could be wrong. The Land That Time Forgot. Jack the Giant Killer. That's a good one. It Came From Beneath the Sea. That's the one about the giant octopus. Them, which is one of the greatest films of all time. It's about giant killer ants. Valley of the Dragons. Tarantula, which is a great movie as well. It's about a giant... Oh, no, I guess it is about a tarantula. (laughs) 20 million miles to Earth, plus Journey to the Center of the Earth. The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. That's a classic. Reptilicus. And The Land Unknown. And 1 million years BC, which is, of course, starring... R.I.P. Raquel Welch. Yes, R.I.P. indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, also R.I.P. to this random businessman hitchhiker on the side of the road because he gets (laughs) attacked and eaten by the monster. And this is the first time we get like a good look at the monster. And it's Mm -hmm. definitely a little lizard, but in an amazing diorama. The trees Mm -hmm. look good. Everything looks good. You know, the only thing that looks... That's the thing. So when you have a lizard or a snake, like as a pet, you set it up in its little tank, and you're going to have miniature, like, trees and stuff. And that's what it kind of looks like. I mean, it it looks like a good version of that. Like, they're going for realism. But this is what you kind of do if you have a pet lizard. You're just going (laughs) to set up these, like, rocks to make it look like mountains or something, you know? Yeah, I didn't mean, you know what, like, for the most part, it doesn't look that bad, all things considered. No, as far as 50s B-movies go, I mean, yes, it's silly because it's a giant Gila monster, but this looks better than most of the movies of its era in terms of the effects, in terms of the monster blending the monster with miniatures, and and maybe it's because it's a a real monster, too, Mm -hmm. that helps. Or it's a real lizard, I should say. He's not. A, he's not a monster. Well, this movie already looks. He's, he's not. A, he's not a monster. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> yeah. mean it. I, mean, I didn't mean it, sir. <laughs> well, the next day we see the we see the lizard again, and he's crossing a road, <laughs> which I love it. They just have these shots of this little lizard just kind of crawling across their little diorama thing. Well, and tank. there is something funny about how these things walk too, because. It's like a lumbering, like solo, like dragging across the ground. Like it, there's just something kind of funny. Yeah. Well, and the also walk. the the sound effects that they put in for the lizard when he's moving, they actually put in like thumps, like boom, boom, when he's moving his little feet, <laughs> or when he's knocking into cars With and his stuff. Bugle claws. Yeah. This drunk guy who's who's driving around, who is the famous disc jockey that I mentioned earlier, he crashes his car when he sees this thing, and Chase stops to help him, and he goes, "Oh, what made you crash?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, this giant pink and black." <laughs> damn it this giant pink and black striped thing that ran me off the road and chase is like well there's nothing here so guess you're drunk and crazy after like a side story with this disc jockey we have the sheriff approaching chase again to ask him for some help and this time he's asking him him and his friends for help in like combing the countryside and all the side roads back roads whatever for uh for pat and liz's vehicle because Pat's dad, he's he's really kind of making life miserable for the sheriff. And we also see that he tries or he threatens to get Chase's French girlfriend deported. <laughs> Where he's like, if you don't keep on doing this, I'm sending you back to France. I'm going to rat on you. And she's like, no, please don't. <laughs> so, so Chase, Chase and her and two of his friends, they go out in their in their hot rods 
and chasing his French beauty. They they stumble around in the woods and stuff, and the, the, the Gila monster's looking at them. But then the friends find Pat's car overturned in the ditch. They tow it out and tow it back to Chase's shop. And uh, here we see the monster a lot, but it just doesn't fucking do anything. And it's really annoying because I was hoping we'd get, It's like, almost like it's a cold-blooded animal that doesn't exert itself unless well, it needs to. just fucking put a heat lamp over this fucking thing because it does, it's not doing anything. They just have shots of its eyes moving around. You know what I mean? Like, And then sometimes it crawls a bit and then it stops. Like, they can't even get it to crawl all the way across a road in a later shot. You know what I mean? It's not a dog. You can't train it <laughs> the way it's... You're working with what you have I know. We're, like, they must have been luring it with, like, mealworms or crickets or something right but i mean it's it's a great lizard I or, or crew members <laughs> just dead crew members here come yeah. <laughs> yeah so they tow this car back to the shop and nothing really comes of it like i think the sheriff shows up and he's like oh this car looks like it's been damaged just like that other car was that's interesting and uh, chase is like okay yeah cool well anyways i'm gonna go fucking hang out with my friends because mr compton he's gonna be coming back soon he's driving his big old gas truck his oil tanker then we cut to Mr. Compton, and this is my favorite <laughs> scene in the movie, where he's just driving his truck down a road, and then it cuts to the lizard's can, can face. I, can, I, can I stop yeah, you for yeah. a second? So we've got a character in this movie named Compton. <laughs> we also have an actor named Shug. Oh my god. This is weird. Suge Knight is is the only Suge I know of, and he is, of course, from Compton. This is This is strange. <laughs> And again, we might not be pronouncing Suge's name right because it's not spelled the same as Suge Knight, but still. Yeah, that is weird. This Mr. Compton, best death scene in the movie. He's just driving his truck down the road and then the camera cuts to the lizard like like sticking his tongue out. <laughs> and Mr. I love Compton, the shots when the, the lizard with the tongue. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's like kind of adorable, but it's... <laughs> Yeah. But then Mr. Compton screams in like agonizing pain. He's like, ah, and his truck flips over and explodes into a <laughs> fiery mess. Another bit I remember vividly in the trailer. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> That's great. I remember when, when in the trailer, it's something like when you're driving alone at night, it, it's, it's like the narrator, like voicing, like, <laughs> this is what will happen if you didn't like when you're driving alone at night. <laughs> there's a giant <laughs> lizard or in your ears. A giant, and then a just giant goes, lizard ah! might lick you. <laughs> If you're driving a lonely road, you're as good as dead. Chase is hanging out at home, and I think this is the scene where he was, like, singing to his disabled sister. This isn't important at all, but his French girlfriend bought braces for her, like, leg braces. And he's like, oh my god, I'm so happy. Let me sing you this weird this little song on a ukulele. the first time we see the sister, right? It almost feels like it's, like, a, like a reveal that he's got this, like sister at home yeah i mean it was mentioned at one point but okay her name's what is it like missy or mimsy or something some fucking name sissy uh, what is it i'm sure she has some fucking name that's <laughs> true <laughs> anyways yeah then he sings to his sister and he gets a call and he's like oh my god there's a tanker truck exploded i hope it's not mr compton and guess what it is so the sheriff and his name chase drive out there in his little hot rod and uh, they look for Compton, but they can't find him. So at this point, the sheriff's putting things together, right? He's like, well, we haven't found any of the people that have been involved in, <laughs> in any of these crashes. And now we see more 90-degree skid marks. And, and now I'm telling you, Chase, also livestock has been missing. And that's not as yeah, crazy as that, people. 
but it's now it's yeah. adding up for me you know <laughs> yeah that kind of comes out and i was like oh couldn't we have established this earlier <laughs> I, know. I would have loved to see the gila monster eating like a little sheep or something like a little <laughs> i mean sure like a like <laughs> a marshmallow but, no, sheep could have been but you could have even done it like in a radio, like oh, you know, like what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Did, oh yeah, you're you know, right. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I just want to see more lizard. Listen, we all want to see more lizard. I love this next scene too, because just as the sheriff and Chase are kind of putting things together, the, <laughs> the monster strikes again. And I don't, I can't tell if it's intentional or not, but the lizard crawls under a railway bridge and knocks out the supports, and then turns around to watch the train crash and explode and then crawls towards the wreckage to eat all the people screaming on the train and several people saw this crash well which by the way the crash is great the model of like the train bridge is great Mm -hmm. the lizard crawling under it is great when the train crashes it's clearly a model train and it's just kind of bouncing around the sand this is giant monster movie 101 right godzilla takes down a train yeah (laughs) king kong takes takes out a like a train yeah this is just something you need to have in one of these movies <laughs> yeah but then this time he comes around and starts eating them and now i guess this whole scene was witnessed by like state troopers and other passerbys and the old drunk harris so he speeds back to town to tell the sheriff and the sheriff is like oh he's talking to state state police or whatever he goes ah i just had a guy come in and tell me that there's some giant fucking lizard terrorizing a train and eating people and with chase's help chase has like a book on lizards that he brings the sheriff and the sheriff flips through it while smoking a pipe, and he's like, hmm. The Gila monster is a type of lizard that, depending on certain minerals in the water, can be normal size or giant size. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh... <laughs> Who wrote this book? Alex Jones? Yeah. Like, what is this? And then and sometimes this the lizards turn you gay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so then the sheriff goes, look, man, I'm pretty sure this is the culprit. Have you found any giant lizard tracks? And Chase is like, what, are you retarded? No, <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, well, I'm sure it's a giant lizard, considering a giant lizard just took out a train. So all the teens are like, well, I can't be bothered with this and all the missing people right now. We're going to call this cool DJ I saved back into this small town and have like a, have, have a sock hop. Pat's dad, the missing kid's dad, he goes to the police station while that's all going on. And he confronts the sheriff about nothing, really. He just kind of points out that the sheriff is dumb and he's <laughs> and he wasn't looking for a giant lizard when he should have been looking for a giant lizard. And he's been letting Chase get away with like a lot of stuff. Like he, he's been letting Chase drive him around and speed and he let him take the wheels off of a wrecked car and a headlight off of a wrecked car. And Chase may or may not have accidentally destroyed evidence in Pat's car that would have led to the finding of a giant lizard. I don't know. So Pat's dad's pissed off and he's like, look, man, I'm pissed off. And unless you go and arrest Chase right now, you're losing your job. So the, so the sheriff and, his, and Pat's dad hop in their cars and they're driving to this sock hop. And Chase has like a bit of like an Elvis moment where it's, <laughs> it's really unfortunate where this cool DJ is like, hey, let me play a clip of this song. And it's like a mm-hmm. cool, hip 50s swinging song, you know? And he's like, who do you think, who do you think's? playing this who, who do you think singing? they're like oh it's one of the everly brothers oh, yeah, it's, it's elvis. elvis no it's whoever the fuck else right elvis is busy in germany at this time come on idiots the only person who's like being coy about it is chase's french girlfriend she's like uh, i know <laughs> it's chase everybody's like that's it's bb king <laughs> and they're all like whoa my god that's nuts can you do something for us and he's like yeah sure so he pulls out his little ukulele and he sings again this like, yeah the, i don't think we mentioned song. it was a ukulele earlier yeah it's a ukulele yeah and it sounds awful 
it's it's the same song, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, it's same, the same song, song that he sang to the singer. You say it's you say it's a super religious song. I guess it kind of is, but I think it's it's about it's also a terrible reading of the Bible. I hate to be that guy, but <laughs> it's all about how like everything's happy in the Garden of Eden, which I guess was technically true, but listen, we kind of fucked that one up too. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> The apple in the Garden of Eden turns a little sour when the giant Gila monster starts crawling his way to the barn where they're holding their party. And <laughs> I just love this so much. They've got like a little tiny barn made and then a bunch of like Hot Wheels cars, like a bunch of little model cars yeah. <laughs> for this lizard to crawl past. And then they have like a little hole in the wall that's cut out or like partially cut so that the lizard can like poke his head through it. Though I'm sure they had a guy on the other end of the lizard jam in his head. And the, yeah, the the interior shot of the lizard slowly sticking his head through like the wood, the wood wall, which who knows what material it actually is, but that looks awesome. <laughs> it's great. This is the giant Gila monster's attempt to do the King Kong breaking through the giant door moment. <laughs> and yeah, it's not as good, but I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty awesome though. And without missing a beat, the sheriff runs to his car, grabs a shotgun and just starts pumping rounds into this <laughs> this lizard who kind of backs away and then scurries <laughs> knocking like cars around over this like little hill in this little enclosure or whatever they've made for this lizard so the sheriff goes look i gotta get back up i gotta get like fucking state state police down here and chase is like okay you do that i've got another plan so he drives home with his with his french girlfriend and he grabs all that nitroglycerin he starts driving around looking for the monster and he notices that there's like a trail left by its whole body <laughs> that's knocked over trees and also took out. Well, yeah, and, and, and I mean, that makes sense because like I was saying, they really do drag along. Yeah, the they ground. kind of like slide. A Gila monster or in this case, a Mexican beaded dragon trail would it would be footprints, but it would also just be this big, long thing in the middle <laughs> because the body and the tail. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if you try to Very grab distinctive uh, tracks, I would imagine. Yeah. Very hard to miss <laughs> when you're dealing with a 400-pound one or however big this thing's supposed to be. Bigger than 400. I don't know why I said 400. Yeah, but... I think at one point they said his footprints are supposed to be the size of a bus. <laughs> so make of that what you will. Which they're not. He's like the size of a bus. Yeah. He's not all feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But it's at this moment that Chase realizes that his invalid sister was at like a friend's hanging out for like a sleepover or something. And this lizard crashed through their house. So he's looking for his sister. Chase and his girlfriend are driving through these fields with this nitro. And they see the family running faster than this crippled girl. And they just leave her behind and she collapses onto the, gr- onto the ground. So Chase orders his girlfriend. He's like, get out, jump on top of her, make sure he- she's okay. I'm going to take care of this monster. He puts all the nitro in the car somewhere and he just drives straight towards the monster and as he's getting closer and closer he dives out of the car and his car smacks right into this poor lizard's head and the whole thing just explodes (laughs) and this lizard corpse is on fire and the sheriff and state police show up and he's like wow how'd you do that he's like with nitroglycerin they're like wow that was awesome I guess now that Mr. Compton's dead, you don't have a job anymore, right? And he goes, I guess not. And Pat's asshole dad, who's now no longer an asshole for some reason, is like, you know what? Come and see me tomorrow. I'll get you a job. And they're all like, <laughs> okay. And he goes back and he hugs his sister and his girlfriend. And that's the end. So, <laughs> so Patrick, what did you think of the giant Gila Gila monster? I like it to a certain extent. I mean, it's not a good movie, but as far as, like, 50s B-movies go, and, like, I said this earlier, 
does a decent job with its miniatures and in its monster you know it's just a big lizard like it's 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 okay the aspects i really enjoyed or I, I was kind of surprised how much i enjoyed was like how 50s teen it was it's like all these kids hanging out wanting to go to drive-ins and uh <laughs> sock ops wanting to listen to their rock and roll records like that stuff is very fun to me because it's like so dated yeah i do agree like it's it, again it's not a good movie and i do agree <laughs> ultimately with what with what you said about how like chase is really the only teen that matters and that's a problem like if we're talking about this like an actual movie it's not great with its characters it it they do a lot of um because even though we have these like other car accidents that they're going around they still keep talking about like oh i wonder if those two went off and eloped like there's not a lot of like <laughs> plot progression and yeah. that's kind of a problem like it, it could be just like you know have a few more teens missing all of a sudden and then you get a little bit more not mystery because we know it's a giant gila monster because we've seen the opening title of the film but the for the characters to be a little bit like okay no something's going on here and they kind of do that a little bit just with cars but they also like don't really seem that bothered by it yeah yeah it's weird that they didn't take a different route where they didn't have the monster attack more teen friends that like chase was hanging out with exactly exactly i think that's you'd probably have a little bit better of a movie if you did that and also, if you had like a little set, like a little miniature of the little town that they live in for the lizard to walk on through, that would have been nice. I would have liked that. <laughs> Do we really see the town, whether as miniature or not? I feel like every shot we get is just like the middle of nowhere, or just, you know, someone along the side of the road or something. Look, I think there's four sets that are supposed to be in town, and I love all of them, okay? So one of them is the barn, the quote-unquote barn. The only time you see the exterior of the barn is in miniature. Yeah, the barn kind of is in the middle of nowhere, at least, you know, the exterior we see of it. The interior looks like somebody's basement. There's another, like I guess, like Pat's dad's house. You see that and kind of like in the doorway. I think you see in the sheriff's office. Yeah, you see doorways. That's, that's because the sheriff's going up to people's houses and talking to them and stuff. Yeah, but... And, but you're right, like everything takes place kind of in the middle of nowhere, and then we never actually see characters walking into a building or a set or something. My favorite example of this is actually at the beginning of the movie, when they're all going to that, like, soda bar, and everybody's just fucking parking their cars in the middle of a fucking field, and they get out, and then it cuts to them walking into a room, which is this, like, little diner or whatever. <laughs> you can tell they just set the camera up, and they're okay, everybody park in this field, make it look like a, like a, like a soda hop parking lot. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. people are parking crooked. You don't see like what's on the other side of the camera. You don't see anybody actually enter the set. Yeah, it's it's definitely low budget. They were working with what they had. But no, I, I think it's a fine movie. Definitely if you like these kind of 50s monster movies and you like how kind of silly they are at times, you'd probably get a kick out of this movie. But there's not enough Gila monster in it. I wish there was more because it's a, it's a cute lizard. <laughs> I think that's it probably, is. I think that that's probably one of the reasons why there's not a lot of him in it because he's kind of cute. <laughs> he's sticking his tongue out a lot. And he's crawling around and they're trying their damnedest to make him look terrifying. But it's not really working out. <laughs> It's it's not really working out, but this is also just a 50s movie. This is a movie out of time. You know, this is maybe in the drive-in back then. Maybe this would have been a little scary. I mean, it's certainly not now, but none of these 50s schlock monster movies really are scary. Even the good ones, you know, Godzilla, 
yeah. not really a scary movie. It's it's a great movie, but you know. But yeah, but with with like a, a creature like Godzilla, he is a menacing figure. Whereas, sure. well, well, they know how to shoot him. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, which also, I think this movie was originally in black and white. I would assume. Oh, I saw it in black and white. Did you see a color? I saw it in version? color. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, the, I saw. I saw a black and white version. The okay. one on so Tubi. The Tubi as the color version. Yeah. Okay. Prime had the black and white, which definitely is the original. So that's what I figured because I was watching because in in color he just looks so cute and he's kind of like an off pink color with like these. Listen, he looks stripes. adorable in black and white too. Let's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, Patrick, which one did you like better? I mean, it's 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 the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I I hesitate. Not because it's close, but because I feel bad. Because I, I respect the giant gila monster for what it is. I appreciate it. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a masterpiece of horror filmmaking. It's one of the greatest exploitation movies ever made. The filmmaking, the editing, the the um, cinematography by Daniel Pearl. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is awesome. The giant gila monster is, is, uh, is enjoyable, but you need to have a certain appreciation for 50s movies and for b movies and and i think it's you know it's it's like a it's several steps up of like a giant spider invasion you know and then giant spider invasion too is like that's like 20 years later 15 years later so the novelty is worn off of that kind of like the you don't appreciate the kind of the b movie charms as much because it's more like why are we still doing this in the mid seventies? Like it's, it's kind of more <laughs> pathetic than anything in the fifties. In the fifties, it's not pathetic; it's charming. Yeah. But yeah, Jim, what about you? I mean, as much as I love this stupid lizard, <laughs> it has to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I get such a visceral reaction from watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like it makes me feel ill, and that's how you know it's a good movie. Is that it has just taken just all these perfect aspects of filmmaking mushed it all together and then i'm sitting and watching it like what like 40 odd years later 50 years later and i i feel ill watching it like it's it's just amazing to have that effect on somebody after it was made in 1974 today that's impressive now that being said what's also impressive is that they also got the mexican beaded lizard to do minor things like break a railroad bridge or crawl towards a (laughs) camera you know you know exactly but it's impressive filmmaking to get a lizard to do all that yeah i was just thinking about it i would have loved for them to like paint a cricket <laughs> like with, what paint like, it yeah like paint it like with like <laughs> paint paint like its back legs blue and like its top part like white or something so it looks like it's eating a little person who's wearing like a white shirt and blue jeans see again yeah. this movie was made in black and white so that wouldn't have oh yeah that's looked right. like anything yeah. so maybe if they were maybe if this was made in color maybe they would have done that but yeah yeah, it's a shame because, again, I agree with you. I respect the giant Gila monster for what it is. It is cute It's a charming, charming movie. Yes. It's yeah. charming. But it's no Texas Chainsaw it's, Massacre. It's no Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is genuinely great. Giant Gila monster is just kind of like, oh, it's fun. It's a, it's a little glimpse into a simpler age. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think that's the best way to describe it. So how do you think this stacks up as a drive-in double feature, Jim? It's kind of a tough one because I, I, I'm leaning towards I like it, especially with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre first, because that is such a kind of dreary, disgusting movie. <laughs> and then you get to watch this cute lizard roam around a sandbox for an hour and 14 minutes after that. And you also get things, you know, like both movies, one's filmed in Texas, the other one's actually, I guess they're both filmed in Texas. They both yeah, have... Yeah, they're both desert set. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, you know. they both have invalids. <laughs> 
<laughs> crippled siblings. Yeah, yes. <laughs> crippled siblings. Yeah, that's exactly it. One place opens up on a place called Newt, Texas, and this one stars a giant lizard in Texas. Which lizards and newts couldn't be more different. Yeah, well, they're kind newts of the are, same. Newts thing. are amph- newts are amphibians. Damn it! Yeah, they're sort of the same. It's like saying we're similar to birds. Well, because it's insane. It's so far off. Is a salamander uh, a, an amphibian? Salamanders are, and I guess maybe I was confusing newts with salamanders they, because I thought they the they're same the same thing. thing. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, both have lizard sort of things in them. Newt is a salamander of the some subfamily Plurodilinae. Oh, that's the terrestrial juvenile phase is called an eft. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to say it works, but at the same time, if there was a bit more. Oh my god! Monster, what? This the California Newt is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Okay, I'll have to look it up in a this second. This is just look up the Wikipedia page for California Newt. That is the cutest picture. Also known as the orange build. <laughs> Look newt. at him. He looks so happy. I don't know. He looks kind of like a yeah, happy-go-lucky little newt. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think ultimately the main thing that makes this not work for me, this double feature, is that there wasn't enough killing <laughs> in uh, in the giant Gila monster. He wasn't as much of a monster as Leatherface and family. There's were. also not that much killing in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, really. No, but, it, but it's brutal. But four people die? Yeah, but... But well, five, brutal. I guess, if you count nubbins. Yeah, and that's also brutal. <laughs> Getting run over oh, by, yeah, like, it's, yeah. by nine wheels of an 18-wheeler. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very fun dummy shot. Yeah, so Jim, I kind of agree with you, but my main complaint, my the reason I don't think this is a great double feature, the reason I it doesn't get my seal of approval is because, though we laughed about the giant Gila monster, you and me, I was not laughing while watching the movie, and not that I took it that seriously, but Mm -hmm. there needs to be more camp for me to really, because again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so dreary and dark and disgusting and disturbing. I want the follow-up to be like a funny movie to kind of just cleanse your palate after that. And for me, the giant gill monster really wasn't that. For some people, it probably is, but just for me, it wasn't. I didn't really find all that much funny about it it's a little like i said charming a little little kind of cute with all the 50s teen stuff and and the adorable lizard wandering around but not not really all that funny and so that's really the thing texas chainsaw massacre is like one of the darkest most disturbing movies ever made in terms of the as far as horror movies go the ratio of disturbing to actual graphic violence texas chainsaw massacre is one of the most disturbing because it's yeah. really not that graphic at the end of the day like something like audition is incredibly disturbing it's yeah. also incredibly graphic when you get to the parts that are disturbing you know so that's just high on both ends and then you have some things that like evil dead 2 is just really graphic it's not really disturbing i don't know where i'm going with that but yeah i'm i don't think it's a great double feature i would watch both movies again individually but not necessarily back to back well, whether it's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Gila Monster, check out both, but uh, don't check them out together. That's and, that's what we've come and to. watch the black and white version. I, I I mean, just I'm sure it just looks better because that's how the movie was, you know, shot. And mm-hmm. you have that weird Ted Turner colorized version <laughs> that just doesn't seem that great to me. And also going back to the beginning watch the texas chainsaw massacre on the shittiest quality that you can avoid the blu-ray if you can the blu-ray is awesome it's a great steel book but 
I want this movie to look shitty. It just deserves to be seen as shitty as possible. But that's 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 my feelings there. So again, check it out on Tubi. <laughs> and also check out our Patreon where you'll be able to hear our commentary track on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well as commentary tracks on many other films, some of which we've covered on this podcast such as a lot of the james bond movies and some of which we haven't yet covered on the podcast such as reanimator back to the future scream and also check that out because you will be voting in a few weeks well the voting is open now but for a few weeks from now you will be deciding which two movies we cover and as for what we're doing next episode as i mentioned at the outset it might be martin and the alligator people It might not be, and if it's not Martin and the Alligator People, it will be The Big Boss, starring Bruce Lee, and Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Those are going to be our next two episodes, obviously. The episode after that is is the patrons pick one, so... You guys better pick good ones. Yeah, be sure to get in and get your nominations in as soon as you can, and be sure to check out Martin, George A. Romero's Martin, the Alligator People, whoever the hell made that. <laughs> and then uh, The Big Boss and Mandy, 